0: Thank you for joining us for a life-changing message at Mount Hope Church in beautiful Gaylord, Michigan. Our prayer is that this message will strengthen and encourage your walk with Christ. Please enjoy this message. Good morning, Mount Hope. I'm Dave. Most of you know me. If not, you will shortly. Oh, give, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good for his mercy endures forever. Amen? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So in the house today, is there anybody here that's been redeemed from the hand of the enemy? After that worship service that we had there, we all ought to be shouting and thankful, amen? We ought to be. I praise God for that kind of worship. You realize how many churches don't have that, right? I mean, we had like 18 people on stage. There's only like 120 here. <laughs> that's pretty good. You know what I'm I think it's pretty amazing. I'd like to talk to you today about the jewel of prayer. Um... We're gonna open in with a word of prayer, talking about prayer. What we just did, what they just led us through, praise and worship, is a form of prayer. Right? What happens when you're in praise and worship? You are you're calling out to your Lord. You're telling him how much you love him, thanking him, appreciating him, loving on him, and what happens? He loves on you. That's conversation. Praise and worship is just another form or a facet of prayer on this jewel we're going to talk about for a little bit. I'll try to get through it all real fast. So let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this church. Lord, I thank you for these people sitting here today. Lord, your children. These are your children, Father. Lord, speak into their lives, speak into their hearts Let them know of a reality that this day they are in your presence as they sit here. Jesus, touch them. Touch them in a special way this day, Lord. Father, I ask that you anoint the the speaker, but you anoint their ears, Lord, their hearts. You open them wide up. Connie's word today, Lord, that the gates are wide open. Come, come, come. It's true. So thank you, Father, that there is no expiration date on the cross, Lord, that eternity is real, Lord, that you're calling us home, you're calling us into a deeper relationship, hallelujah, Lord, that in this day and age we need you more than we have ever needed you before. Be in our presence, Lord, be in the service, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 The jewel of prayer. The great tragedy of life is not unanswered prayer, but unoffered prayer. It's not that God does not hear, it's that we do not ask, right? F.B. Myers said that. Most of you ladies are going to know this lady, Beth Moore. You probably know her, right? There are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit, and defeats of darkness that will come no other way Than through furious, fervent, faith filled, unceasing prayer. Now, that is the voice of a lady that's been there, right? So, we're going to talk about some of these facets of prayer. We just talked about praise and worship. There's more than this, this is not an all inclusive list, all right? But praise and worship is a form of prayer. What we think of all too often as prayer is called the prayer of faith. It's our petitions. It's what, when we ask, you know, for things in our prayers. Most people think of that as prayer. It is called a prayer of faith because you, without faith, guess what? Nothing happens, right? The third one there is a prayer of consecration and dedication. You've seen this with children, it also happens with evangelists, pastors, teachers that are. Dedicated to something in a commissioning? Uh, prayer of agreement. We do that on Wednesday nights, don't we? Huh? We step up and say, Give me something to agree on. Let's pray about something we can agree on. So we all gather together and we there's one thing we're gonna pray about, we agree upon it. Then there's a prayer of authority. Believers in, in, in Christ, you have authority. You know that, right? You have authority to speak, but that's also a prayer. Because you don't speak of your own volition, you speak of His, right? And then the intercessory prayer. Very special prayer in God's eyes because, why? Because you're not in the middle of it. It's not about you. Prayer for intercession is when you intercede for somebody else that has a need. You get out of the picture, you're loving on your brother, the second greatest commandment is fulfilled. To love your neighbor as yourself. You're praying for them, right? Very important. Extremely important. What happens in today's world all too often is we don't pray until, right? We don't pray until we're on the way to the hospital, right? Or we don't pray until we're on the way to the bank with a foreclosure notice or something, right? We don't not often enough. Now, we all pray, and I know you all pray, but that's not the approach, right? There was a pilot who was flying an airplane. He was 300 miles away from the, the airport, and he was 600 feet in the air, and he radios the tower, and he says, I am 300 miles from you. I am 600 feet in the air, and I have just run out of fuel. Please advise. The tower comes back and says, repeat after me. Our Father, which art in heaven. That's the breaking of the glass. Too late. Well, maybe not too late. Why? Well, God is God, right? He knows that when we have this scream for help, that he's there for us. Prayer is not a parachute. Prayer is the very air that holds it up. Prayer is what makes things work. So when you jump out of that plane at 600 feet, realize the parachute, when you pull the cord, that's another prayer. I hope it opens. It's another (laughs) prayer. But when it blows out and is hanging there, it is prayer that holds it up. It's the very air beneath it. But our prayers are conditional. Everybody knows that verse. Everybody knows that verse. But that very first word makes it a conditional statement. If, right? If my people, who are called by my name, which is saying what? If my people who are mine, if they'll humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and while I hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins and I'll heal their land. If, If. If is a very important statement in there. I like John Wesley's approach. God does does nothing but by prayer and everything with it. So I think by now you're getting the idea that we're going to be talking about serious prayer. Not, Not break glass in case of emergency, right? We're going to be talking about the real deal. Why is it that way? Why is it that God does nothing without prayer, but everything with it? It's about foundations. You already know 1 Corinthians 3.11, you've heard that a thousand times, that there is no other foundation than that which is laid, which is Jesus. We only have one foundation in your own private spiritual life and in this body. We only have one foundation, and that foundation is Jesus, right? But the mortar that we use to build on this foundation is prayer. Understand what you build upon that one sure foundation is only going to be established and held in place by prayer. Prayer is the mortar that holds it all together. Why do I say that? What were you doing when you got saved? You're praying, (laughs) right? You began this journey in prayer, right? If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you were praying when you got filled with the Holy Spirit. Every day of your life is wound up in prayer. Everything you do in your Christian life is prayer. We're going to elevate it to the very top of the, the priority list in your life, and I would elevate it even higher than Bible study, and that's saying a lot for a Bible teacher, right? Because you know 4%, you know an hour a day, you know I'll beat you up all day on reading your Bible and studying it. But I still put prayer above it, because even when you read your Bible and you open it up and God speaks to you, what do you think that is? God talking to you and you talking to Him. That's prayer. It's conversation, right? So every facet of your life is wrapped up in that. There's two practices that we're going to talk about, personal and corporate. Personal prayer, the private prayer, the closet prayer, you've all heard about that, right? We're, we're called to imitate Jesus, 1 John 2, 6 says, if you say you abide in him, then you have to walk the way that he walked, All right. Right? You imitate Jesus, Luke 5:16. Jesus withdrew to lonely places to pray. We've heard that. I'm going to go kind of fast. Hang on. You're called to the closet. When you pray, enter your closet, and when you shut the door, then you pray to your Father, which sees in secret. Please understand, it does not say silently. It says secretly. We'll talk about that later. Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. The Greek of devote yourselves means to continue in it, steadfastly, persevering in it. 1 5.17, pray continuously or without ceasing. Right? Are you getting the point? Ephesians 6.18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for on praying for all the saints. There's some things that keep repeating in these verses, right? Luke 18:1. Jesus is about to tell a parable. And this is a parable of the uh, persistent widow, remember that, in the unjust judge. But he tells us what the parable is about in verse 1 before he even tells the parable. And that's it. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray. And not give up. How many people do you know are extremely persistent in their prayer life? That get a hold of the legs on the throne and won't let go until they get an answer. Persistence. Continuous, persevering persistence. Now I know, and I've said it myself, that God knows what you need before you ask. And it's true. Does it mean he doesn't want you to ask? No. It means he wants you to get a hold of of him in prayer and not let go. He doesn't say, pray always and do not give up if he doesn't mean it. That's exactly what he means. Galatians 5.16, an odd verse for prayer. I say then, walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. This is the, the walking facet of this jewel that we're talking about. All, the, all these facets are just another side on the same jewel, right? But this says you can't walk in the Spirit unless you are in constant communication with the Spirit. That's conversation. Conversation is prayer. The key to walking in the Spirit is first to be filled with Spirit. That's always a good point, you know. That's a good thing to have, right? But if you're going to walk in the Spirit every day of your life and every minute of every day, you have to be in constant communication with Him. You have to listen to Him and be led by Him for Him to guide you. And when you do that, you are in conversation with the Spirit of God. That's prayer. This this stuff is nothing new, right? You've heard this stuff a thousand times, right? So why am I here? I always have a motive. always have a motive. You already know all about that part of prayer. But how much do you know about that part of prayer? The corporate practice. I have a beef, but being my age and as outspoken as I am, I always have a beef about something. I have a beef, and my beef is this. That in America today, things aren't what they ought to be in the Christian church. I'm not talking assembly of God. I'm talking the body of Christ. Right? Put a label on it if you want. All of us that are children of God. And my beef is pretty simple. There's a three-legged stool and what i see and what god reveals to me is on this three-legged stool one of those legs is evangelism another is bible study and the third one's prayer and the church in america has dropped the bucket on all three we're kicking the legs out from under our own stool evangelism is left up to a tv preacher or an internet preacher or a radio or a sunday morning preacher and and left out of the body now i'm not saying this is 100% for everything I'm just saying that it is not what it should be. We, we're the evangelists, us, not the guy standing up here, us, right? We're the evangelists. Bible study, where do I begin, right? Bible study, Bible study and biblical literacy has went down the toilet pretty much in America. Uh, I used to be able to stand up when I taught and just say a word and everybody knew what I was going to talk about. Today, I can't do that. We have not only stopped reading the Bible, we don't have, hardly have Bible studies. And when we do have Bible studies, they're not attended well enough to make a large impact on the church. But the one I'm beefing about today is corporate prayer, that third leg. Why is that such a big deal? Because in America today, almost all churches do not have prayer meeting. you know that? They don't even have prayer meetings. I'm not saying they're not attended well. I'm saying they don't exist. They don't have prayer meetings. I can't imagine that. That you would actually say that you are a body of Christ and not gather to talk to your Father. It makes no sense to me at all. How do you get by? You must have them break glass things all over your building. Right? Because you're certainly not walking in what you should be walking in. So we're going to run down the book of Acts a little bit, and I'm going to show you what prayer meetings look like in the book of Acts. All right? We should look the same. Do you agree to that? If the book of Acts is where it all began, it's where we started, it's where the church was born, I think we probably ought to act the way they acted. And yes, they did not have the Internet or television, or, which really has nothing to do with anything. Acts 1-4, there's about 120 of them together. Guess what? That's about how big we are, right? We're about Mount Hope size. And they joined together constantly in prayer. Constantly in prayer. We should too. In Acts 1, they also had a little prayer meeting to replace Judas with Matthias. Remember Judas Iscariot? They had to replace him with Matthias. They did it at a prayer meeting. There was a commissioning of Matthias. All the little yellow things you see below are what's supposed to be going on now, right? Acts 2.1, one. day of Pentecost came. They're all together of one accord in one place. What happened? Pentecost. We should be having our own Pentecost. Right? The Bible is not a history book. It's a living powerful Word of God. So there's no reason we don't have our own Pentecost. Acts chapter 4, we had another prayer meeting for boldness. Funny part of this, in Acts chapter 3, John and Peter had healed a man. Remember that? Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. Remember that? They got in trouble for it. But guess where they were headed when they healed the man? They are headed to a prayer meeting. When they got in trouble, they were on their way to a prayer meeting. They prayed for boldness because the leaders had said stop speaking in the name of Jesus. They prayed for boldness to speak God's word by uh, God stretching forth his hand to heal. And the signs and wonders uh, might be done in the name of of his holy child Jesus. And the result was that the place was shaken where they were praying. They're all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Empowerment. God empowers us in prayer meetings, right? You sure you're here? Are you Pentecostal? I am. Acts chapter six. I have a prayer meeting for appointing the first seven deacons. It's a call to ministry. Do you see that they have a lot of prayer meetings in the book of Acts, and we're not only going to scratch the surface. Peter is in prison. And the church has a constant prayer meeting. Peter is miraculously delivered from prison. Deliverance happens in a prayer meeting. All of this stuff is true and actual and occurs when you're actually at the prayer meeting. (laughs) Just just saying. Is that what they say now? Acts 13, uh, they're having a prayer meeting and the Holy Spirit calls for Paul and Barnabas to be separated for the work that they're supposed to do, right? That first missionary journey. There's a sending out from these prayer meetings. They happen this way on purpose. Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas are in prison. Oh, guess what? Guess where they were on their way? when they were picked up and thrown in prison. They're on the way to a prayer meeting down by the river. They met a lady that had a spirit of divination. Paul got sick of it, cast it out. They got in trouble and thrown in prison. (laughs) On the way to a prayer meeting. It was a small prayer meeting because there was only a couple of them all handcuffed up there. And God sent an earthquake. Their chains fell off. The result was that the jailer and his family were converted to Jesus. Chains were broken, and salvations happened. And that's a prayer meeting of two. Still a prayer meeting. They were kind of a captive audience in that they were in prison. They couldn't go anywhere, right? But it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't have to be within the four walls. We have uh, common ground today. I don't prepare notes because, you know, I'm not very good at that, but when you guys have common ground today, I don't have notes for you to go from. So it looks like you're probably going to have to have a prayer meeting. (laughs) Amen? I'm sure there's got to be one or two needs within the group that need prayer. Pray about it. Don't say that unless you do it, please. All right? So, what about after the book of Acts? what happened after the apostolic era in 1858 second great awakening in america started with a prayer meeting there were only 30 million people in america at that time estimated that a million of them were converted to christ in less than 2 years started with a prayer meeting no tv no internet no radio not in 1858 movement of the holy ghost that's amazing. In 1858, a million people, out of 30 million in America, were saved in less than two years. Prayer meetings are nice. Things happen. 1910, Reese Halls, a Walsh miner. he had a burden for South Africa. He went there, he started a prayer meeting. Result, two revival meetings a day for 15 months, and thousands were saved. By the way, every Friday was an all-day prayer meeting in that revival. Every Friday was an all-day prayer meeting. And two revival services every other day besides Friday. Here's one you probably know, December 31st, 1900, Bethel Bible School, Topeka, Kansas. Charles Parham called a prayer meeting of 75 people. The Holy Spirit fell upon that prayer meeting. Out of that came Azusa Street, which you're all familiar with which is the birthplace, basically, of the Assembly of God Church. From a prayer meeting. Seventy-five people. Didn't take 12,000, right? Seventy-five people. And we had the birth of the Assembly of God Church. What about today? Today bothers me. <laughs> Believe it or not, according to all the studies and Stuff that they do. All of the people saved in the world since 1950, now that's 1950, that's the year I was born, by the way, since 1950, 70% of them were saved from 1990 and on. Now that's only 27 years. And 70% of them were saved after 1990. Now that's pretty amazing right? I mean, that blows your mind when you think about it. The church of Jesus Christ in the world today is exploding. We pray for revival. It is happening all over the world, all over the world, except in four places. And I follow this stuff, so I read those surveys and all those things. In Australia, it's hanging on and growing slightly, not exploding. In Japan, it's basically not growing. In Western Europe, it's basically deceased. In Western Europe, the churches are now museums. And the last place that, in the world where the church is not exploding is North America. Not, that's not. Another little nugget I'll give you. See that bottom number up there? 0.5%. That is half of 1%, right? Half of 1%. There are 70 million Assembly of God people in America, or in the world, I'm sorry, adherents. 70 million in the world. America is one half of 1% of the Assembly of God people in the world. One half of 1%. I'm not saying this, you know, to start a membership drive for the Assembly of God. That's not what this is about. What it's about is if revival started here and it spread around the world, why is it that it spread everywhere else but here? Why why do we have the issues that we have? Goes back to my three legged stool. It's true. Christianity is not complex, not difficult. It's a very simple faith trust thing, right? And it's basically Jesus doing what he told us to do in the first place going to all the world, preach the gospel, right? And even when he did it, he said, Start at home, Jerusalem, when he told them, and work your way out, right? So that leg, the Bible study leg, and my beef today, the corporate prayer leg. Now you know why we are 0.5, one half of 1% of all the assembly of God in the world. We should be exploding just like they are. But we're not, right? It's a scary thing when I think about it. I don't know if that bothers you, but it bothers me. Because God is calling us back so that we reflect everything else he's doing in the world he wants us to do. He wants it happening here. And he says, until y'all get real, I'm talking about all of America, I'm not talking about just Assembly of God, and I'm not even talking about just Mount Hope Church, until the body of Christ gets real like they do around the world and in the exploding parts of the world, then we're not going to see that revival. And we won't see it because we have not entered into that place. You have to enter into that place of deep Bible study and of deep prayer in order for any of this to happen. But it must be done God's way. Right? And as we saw in the the verses... There's no clock up there, is there? Yeah, there is, okay. Sorry, guys. It must be done God's way. And when God calls us to prayer, it's done that way. It's done persistently. Not once in a while, persistently. That's Luke 18, 1 is the verse, continuously. There's no end to it. It's not let's all jump together on the prayer bandwagon for a week and fall back off. That ain't what it's about. It's a continuous, persistent, do you know what fervent means? Passionate intensity. So if you go to a prayer meeting and it's like a funeral, and it's so quiet that you can't hear, you could hear a fly on the wall, how much passionate intensity is going on? I'm Pentecostal. I don't believe in closed mouths, I believe in loud mouths. So, if you're going to be fervent with the Lord and there's passion intensity in your life, do you have a burden? Who don't? Whether it be financial, whether it be health, whether it be your children gone astray, whether it be your spouse not saved, well it doesn't matter, everybody's got a burden. If you don't have a burden, there's something wrong somebody needs something in your life that's a burden you need to get fervent with that burden you need to get passionately intensely involved in that continuously persistently and perseverance with perseverance that sounds you know sounds like a lot but you'd be surprised how simple this is This is nothing more than getting together, bringing your burdens with you, knowing and expecting God to act when you get there, right? You walk in with open arms because you know it's coming at you. You know, my Lord and my Savior has not denied me. He is going to answer my prayers. i got to bring my burdens. I'm going to get loud and noisy about it. Now that's me. I'm not saying everybody's loud and noisy. Some people will speak with their voice and they're still quiet, right? That's just how God made you, that's good, that's fine. All I'm saying is if you're gonna get passionate about the things that really matter to you, a lost loved one or something, then you probably ought to get serious about it. You ought to bring it to that prayer meeting. You ought to pray the old fashioned way I got a burden. You can't, if you're Pentecostal especially, you can't be shy. You got to say, I have a burden. Agree with me in prayer, brothers and sisters. You guys that are supposed to love me. Yeah? Yeah? Hmm? You guys that are supposed to get into my life like I get into your life. Right? That's what we are. We're one body. If one part of the body is happy... We're all happy. If one part of the body needs something, is sad, then we're sad with them. In today's church, we're all sad in different places. We're all happy in different places because we don't get together in prayer to be happy or to be sad or to meet each other's needs. That's right. <laughs> Pentecost. Love your hat. The... Uh, what I'm, what I'm really after, and I know I, I don't mean to always make demands, but I always will. I always will. I, I want the very, very best for you guys, but I, not my best. I want God's best for you. And until you listen and jump into that with it, you know that beautiful worship we had this morning? That was marvelous. Wasn't it? marvelous? Well, that's what a prayer meeting feels like. Same thing. It's the same thing. There's no difference. If you come with a burden, and you come with, a, with an expecting heart, knowing you're going to get met here by God, right? And when you corporately gather, you saw the list. You saw what happened in the book of Acts salvations healings deliverance you name it it all happens in those prayer meetings but what we do is we are all 500 miles apart from each other we're all praying great thing got to be doing that right but the power really gets released when y'all come together when I, when someone can look in your eye and say you have a need i can see it how do i pray We minister to each other. There's a huge amount of strength and power released in those moments. There's salvations. People come to prayer meetings because of somebody loud like me because they think they have to, right? So they come to a prayer meeting and they get saved. Or they come to a prayer meeting and they get saved because they didn't know they weren't. It happened before too. Or they get filled with the Holy Spirit. That prayer meeting usually lasts eight or nine hours, you know. Anyway, those kinds of things need to be happening to us. We need to be delivered from some stuff. We need to be healed from some stuff. There's too much sickness in Mount Hope. You know? Cut it out. Stop it. You know? We don't need that. It's an interference. There's too much, maybe, I don't know, but there's probably too much financial problems. We're not called to spend all of our life breaking our back to pay somebody else. Right? You're really not called to be that or do that. You're called to serve your Lord. And he will meet all your needs. He really will. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I heard it. I heard somebody saying it. If my people, which I call by my name, shall humble themselves. So when you get in the prayer meeting, what's the first thing that happens? It ain't about you. It's about us. It's about us ministering to us. In the process, you get your prayer answered. Pray and seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. If you're dragging a bag of sin around with you, bring it. (laughs) Bring it to the prayer meeting. Bring it right here. And say, Lord, deliver me. Grab a brother, grab a sister. I have an issue in my life. I need to be delivered from. Grab us, whoever it may be. Let's get, you know. That bag don't belong. You don't need to be dragging that bag. You need to be... Holy before the Lord. You need to get rid of the things that distract you, right? Turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven. If then, then will I hear. I will forgive their sins. Doesn't say he might, doesn't say he'll think about it. It says he'll do it. He'll forgive your sins. And he'll heal your land. Wow! Isn't that something? So, there's the kicker. If it's going to be persistent, if it's going to be consistent, if it's going to be fervent, persevering, persistent, it's going to be all that stuff. And you got to have a sense of urgency about the things in your life and letting God help. You get through all this. Whatever you got in your life, and you got something, it doesn't matter who you are, you all got something, right? Welcome to the human race. But without a sense of urgency, it becomes a band aid. Without a sense of urgency, of Lord, change my life, make my life a reflection of Jesus. Let me walk in holiness, filled with your joy, with your presence, right? Isn't that kind of what you want? I mean, you know, leave the rest of that junk out there, right? You want that. Honest, you really do. So at that point that you feel urgent about, there's things in my life, this stuff's got to go. Or, Lord, I think I pretty well got it under control. I'm going to go to the prayer meeting because I want to be in your presence in a new way because you all have the Holy Spirit in you. If Jesus Christ is your Lord, you have the Holy Spirit within you. But when you take 50, 60, 70 people and you put them all in one room and they all have the Holy Spirit, guess who's there? We got some power going on here, right? We went from a one watt bulb to a 100,000 watt bulb, right? And now we have the Holy Spirit in our midst. He's always with us anyway, always. Always. I'm not telling you to stop praying in your closet. Don't do that. Pray every day. But when you get together, get excited about it, bring your bags. Bring your bags, because if you got something to leave, this is where you leave them, right here at the altar. You leave them right here. You don't take them home with you. You leave them right here. You get healed, physical healing, filled with the Holy Ghost. But guess what? None of this happens if no one knows about it. get my drift you come in here with a great big burden and we never find out you have a great big burden are we going to pray for your great big burden we're not even going to know you got one unless we get a word from the Lord that says go to that person but quite often even when that happens you don't know why you're going right you just think Lord's drawing me to you for a purpose and I don't know what it is I don't know what it is right So we need to to start talking to each other. I'm not saying that everybody needs to confess every filthy thing in their life to everybody. Don't do that, right? That's not what this is about. You have friends that you trust. Those are the ones you want maybe to confess to, right? You have people that come along beside you. But you don't have to tell us what it is. All you got to do is show up at the prayer meeting and say, There's something in my life I want gone. I ain't going to tell you what it is, and I don't need to know what it is. Amen? All I need to know is you have a need, and there's something that needs to go. If you have a friend close enough, a brother or a sister that you totally trust, James 5 kicks in. Confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. You would be surprised how many healings don't occur because people are hugging sin with one arm and trying to hug Jesus with the other, All right? And they're saying, how come I don't get healed? Because your arms are full of the wrong stuff over here, right? And it says it for a reason. James 5 says, confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. That's important. It really is important. Again, you don't blab it on the radio, Right? Satan will take advantage of those situations. Don't do that. So, somebody said it. Amen, sister. <laughs> Call a prayer. April 9th, Sunday, 5 p.m. until who knows when. I'm going to, how do you say that? Facilitate that service. Is that the right word? That's that good. I mean? It's going to start at 5 and it's going to go... F- To whenever Pastor Roger, bless his heart, is going to sing a couple songs. However, he does what he does. It's his world, right? But uh, my point being this, that that's one night. One night. Persistent, continuous, persevering. One night ain't it. Right? We have prayer Wednesday evenings. Every Wednesday evening. At 5.45. That's too early, I can't get here. Then come at 6. Still too early, come a quarter after 6. Still too early, come at 6.30. Because I, I run the Wednesday evening Bible study, and I'll push it back a half hour. I really, you know, we'll make it happen. We'll, we'll do whatever we got to do. You know, Show up, bring your needs. We pray a little differently on Wednesday nights. We're a little louder. Because we all, we want to, as Acts chapter 4, they all raised their voice to the Lord. We want to raise our voice to the Lord. So next Sunday, next Sunday I'm going to talk to you about the power of the spoken word. And how the spoken word affects humanity, but how it affects you. And how it affects everyone around you. And how the spoken word affects changes the world around you and I'll give you verses to show you that That when you speak into this earthly realm and you're speaking God's word into an earthly realm you're going to shake and rattle that earthly realm because it is a living powerful word it's not a book with ink in it all right so we're going to talk about that next Sunday I did pretty good. i got about five or six minutes left. Whatever that says up there. So my call to you today is this. Do you love the Lord? Is everything in your life perfect? If you love the Lord and everything in your life is not perfect, you add those two together, you get a prayer meeting. I mean, what can I say? That's what happens. I I love Him, but there's oopses over here. And so it's time to, it's time to get together. It's time to bring this junk to God. Let us pray with each other. Let us pray in agreement. Let us get excited about the Lord. And that thing up there called the clock is turned off. We don't care about that. And we don't care because God's at work. You can get up and leave anytime you want. You could be there Five minutes. He could be there three hours. I don't know. But that night, April 9th, 5 p.m., 5 until whenever, we are going to show up for a prayer meeting. Again, show up Wednesday. Now, I know we cram a lot in one little hour, but, you know, we have one hour of prayer, and that's all. Does it first pop into your head when I say one hour? Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, come and pray with me. What'd they do? They fell asleep. And what'd Jesus say to them? What? Couldn't you, sp- couldn't you wait with me one hour? One hour. Right? So I put a question mark because I never thought one hour was enough. You barely get warmed up in, in that length of time if you're going to get serious and passionately intensely, persistently, perseveringly, continuously, pray. Right? An hour, it's like, where'd it go? So, we're going to close in prayer. I'm sure we got goodies out there. I'm not sure, but I think we probably do. We always do. It's what we do. We eat. When you have your common ground today, make it a point. Make it a point to have your own little prayer meeting. Make it a point and see what happens if whoever the leaders are of that common ground, make it a point to say, well, let's all pray with our voice. I know, I know, I know, prayer's private, no one is to hear my prayers, blah, blah, blah. Right? That's not true, none of that's true, none of that's true. Make a point to pray with your voices. Try it. Unlock the door of your mind and let your mouth open up and let the abundance of your heart come out of it. Right? That's why you got one. You got a hook, Right? And I'll give away a little bit of next week. How many of you pray and you don't open your mouth and you're praying silently and you notice your mind wanders? Or you notice that thoughts pop in your head that maybe hadn't ought to be there. Open your mouth. Pray out loud. Watch all that just stop. It will. It will actually stop. My mind wanders. Then open your mouth. See, we're not bright enough to figure that out, that when you're actually speaking, you're actually forced to concentrate on what you're saying, what comes out of your mouth, so your mind don't have time to wander. And Satan can't invade you When What's coming out of your mouth is the abundance of your heart. If you're a Christian, it should be Jesus. Just cut him off at the ankles. Be done with him. All right? All right? So let's close in prayer. Um, And please, uh, Wednesday night, if you want to show up, we're here at 530, whatever. We'll pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this, your body of Christ. Right here, Lord, in Mount Hope. Father, I ask that you bless them specially, Lord, heal their wounds, heal their wounds Lord, fill them with your presence, call them out from this world Lord, let them know that walking the Christian life is 24-7 and that there's nothing but joy and peace and kindness and when Satan rears his ugly head, it does not rob our peace. It does not rob our peace. It only fires us up to come to you even more often, Lord. So be with us through this week, Lord. Bring us all back together to pray, to study, and to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray you enjoyed this message. If you would like to partner with Mount Hope Church, you can make your tax-deductible donation online at GaylordChurch.com. From there, just click on Give Online Now. Thanks for listening can't wait to be with you again next week.